good to be here on Father's Day. You know, I have a beautiful father. I want to honor my dad as I begin today. He is humble. He's patient. He's kind. He's full of wisdom and grace. He is the one who taught me to see others. Uh, Ashley, growing up as a little girl, uh, my father is the one that just always sees uh, the one, even even those that you know may feel tucked to the side and a little bit overlooked. My father, he just has a Jesus perspective, and under the gaze of Jesus, no one is unseen, no one is overlooked, and that's I watched my father my whole life growing up. See people, lean in, have conversations, ask poignant questions, and he taught me how to see people. So I honour my father, Ian Hooper, a very very good man. And I want to honour Pastor Hartley this morning, the head of our house, um, particularly in this uh, recent season, he's showing great strength and steadfastness, kindness and patience. And he has an exceeding capacity just to carry and cover the whole family. I have never felt so safe tucked under your wing. I'm one that you described this morning. I'm tucked under your wing and I'm so grateful for that. You're a very, very good man. Can we please honour Pastor Hartley here today? And actually, Hartley's dad, Dr. Eric, is here today, and he, uh, in his professional life, delivered over a thousand babies, and so I think it's poignant on this Father's Day that he's here with us. And he's also an avid gardener, and Hartley and his dad took to the garden out here at Silverwater, just out, and so when you go and have your coffee, glance out the window there, and you'll see the work of these two, father and son together. It's awesome. Hey, so, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you. Uh, some of you I haven't spoken to in person in our recent season, and maybe you're a guest here today. And um, actually, just a month ago, um, Hartley and I lost our 15-week-old baby boy, Noah. And uh, some of you we haven't seen in person to say thank you, firstly, for the kindness that you've shown us in this season as we've... Um, as we've grieved and just um, knitted together as a family, it's quite precious, the strength and the unity that you find in your family and in your wider family in times of loss. Um, loss is not um, an entirely bad thing. It may be difficult, but there's a lot of beauty that comes from it. And I've learned a lot in this season. Uh, there was one man at a recent um, pastor's gathering who just gripped my hand and I felt such empathy and strength and kindness from him. He, he actually didn't say a word, but there was so much that transferred in just the gripping of a hand. And I've learned in grief that many times it's better to say less than more. Many times it's better to, um, to not make an assumption because grief is a unique and winding road and it's unique for each individual. But the greatest thing I've learned in this season is that God is kind. And I am so grateful for his kindness. In fact, I've seen his kindness in a whole other way. I would say that this experience and witnessing his kindness has changed me in a great way. And so I am walking richer out of this season, and I'm grateful for that. And, you know, I'm actually traveling miraculously. Uh, it is amazing how God and his presence sweeps in and carries us and covers us. And he is truly close to the brokenhearted. And I think that you just, um, you, you can't see or know it completely, the truth of that scripture. He is close to the brokenhearted until you are truly brokenhearted. And then you see how he comes right in around you, personally and poignantly and powerfully. And I'm so grateful for that. And I, I do feel like God has brought some calm and even cushioned the, 
the, the fullness of, of the trauma that I could have experienced. I feel like he removed part of the blow, rather covering me with his, his peace that surpasses understanding. I felt serene and um, supernaturally covered at times. And I'm, it's powerful to have experienced that. So I, I'm not brave talking. I'm being genuine when I say I'm grateful for God's kindness. And that's not to say that I'm not taking some days just to sit in the sun and look at the sky and to go gently. And that maybe my internal person just feels a couple steps behind my public person. And, you know, that's all very real. Um, but I, I, I will not apologize for declaring his, his kindness. I will not apologize for declaring his goodness because I have seen it in its fullness in this season. So why don't we thank him here today? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, this Father's Day, you know, and there's a theme running through this service this morning that we are called to be spiritual and literal mothers and fathers and to cover and to advocate for those in our sphere of influence. And I pray today that God would refresh our perspective of those who are in our sphere of influence because, uh, you know, Pastor Mick has an incredible perspective, like my father, to see the ones around him. And I just pray that we wouldn't hustle so much that we miss the precious ones who are in our sphere of influence, who God has strategically appointed so that we would see them and, and give them courage. And it doesn't have to be complex or fancy. Many times all we need is a smile or some kind, genuine words or just that shared belief, like the man that gripped my hand. You are so with me right now. I can feel how present you are for me right now. Sometimes that is the greatest gift. It's not about eloquent words or, or fancy acts. It's just I'm present for you right now and I see you. You know, we, this world really needs more adoptive mothers and fathers, doesn't it? I feel like this world is, is crying out for someone to see and to hear and to love and to champion the people of our world, people that have large hearts and, a, and an open sensitivity to see the ones that are around us. So this Father's Day, I'm going to talk about two daughters who needed the advocacy of their fathers. I'm actually going to use uh, the story of Hagar, a slave girl, who God himself intervened for. It is a magnificent story. And I'm going to speak about Esther, an orphan uh, crowned queen and coached by her uncle Mordecai. And um, it's, they're two beautiful stories and so typical of God to sweep in like he does. And Linda, have I got Linda's attention yet, our amazing translator? I want to dedicate, I want to dedicate this, this message today to you. I'm going to speak today of God's kindness. This is my friend Linda who's come all the way from Syria to be with us and be a part of our family. Um, these are the stories of God's kindness. These are the stories of a God who sees every pain, every brokenness, and a God who intervenes and who changes the very outcome of our story because he sees, because he loves, because he knows. And so I want to lift you up, on uh, Linda, and give you strength. And I'm dedicating this Father's Day message to you because I love you. You are so, I, I can't stop seeing you because he can't stop seeing you. You're a beautiful woman. Let's honor Linda today. <laughs> so Hagar fled her jealous and cruel master, Sarai. And I'm going to read from Genesis 16 and verse 7. And it says, But the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness on the road to Shur. 
And what I want you to know, if you feel like you're in the wilderness, sitting by a spring, uh, that God sees us in those places. And sometimes I feel like he sees us better in those places. Somehow it seems that because of all the hustle and distraction of life's props, which we can sometimes get preoccupied with, um, I don't know, somehow I feel like when the skies aren't perfectly blue, we're far more aware of his presence. And I love that God found her in that place. And I pray whatever season you're in under the sun today, that you would know that God sees you in your uniqueness, whether it's in strength, whether it's in vulnerability. He sees us all here today. That is his very nature. And it goes on the story in verse 9. The angel of the Lord said to her, Go back to your mistress and humbly submit to her control. Now, firstly, I think that's an interesting um, direction. Now, God is always contrary to what we would think. Wouldn't you think that he would just cover her, put her in a beautiful place, but instead he sends her back to the place that she has come from and he asks her to submit again to the one who has treated her with jealousy and unkindness. I think God is so interesting how he does that. You know, it's not like deliverance doesn't always mean a change of scene. And I think sometimes in our humanity, we would prefer a change of scene when there is contention in the household, contention in our finances, contention in our workplaces. I would encourage us rather to send our roots down deeper, to anchor ourselves a little bit further. This world is fickle. It, we we want to flee. We want to change our job every six months when we know we're not comfortable with certain personalities. We want to get out of the marriage when there's contention, when there's financial pressures. But I think it's interesting. God sent her back to the place that she came from and asked her to submit again uh, to a, a taskmaster who was very unfavorable towards her. But he also soon evolved the heart of her master. He actually changed who she was. So sometimes we need to let God be God and send our roots down and send our prayers up and ask him to change the reality of our circumstances, but not remove ourselves every time things get tough because life is not always a walk in the park. That is for sure. He changed her master from Sarai to Sarah. He changed her from unbelieving to seeing. He opened her eyes to him and he changed the essence of who she was. Where there was bitterness, he permeated sweetness. And a grace fell on that household and the story shifted. And it goes on to say in verse 10, also the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so they shall not be numbered for a multitude. What an incredible promise. He didn't just send her back to a difficult place. He sent her armed with a promise. When God gives you a promise, you can store that promise in your heart. You can cleave to that promise and you can know that he'll be faithful to fulfill the word that he has given you. It is his nature to come through, to break through, to fulfill. He doesn't speak whatever he speaks will not return void that's his very nature that is the nature of my God what he's told you shall be in Jesus mighty name amen and verse 11 goes on to say and the angel of the Lord continued see now you are with child and shall bear a son and shall call his name Ishmael which means God hears because the Lord has heard and paid attention to your affliction. The God of heaven is paying attention to the detail of your affliction. And he invites us to allow faith to permeate those areas. He is leaning in, friends. And what I find so beautiful 
And so true of God is that Ishmael was the first person that God named before his birth in the Bible. God of all of creation named the son of a slave girl first. There were others to come, but the first that was named before they were born was Ishmael, the son of a slave girl. Is that not the very nature of our God, the great redeemer, the great restorer of hope? He doesn't measure one life greater than the other. His love permeates and covers every individual. Everyone is seen, everyone matters. That is the nature of our God. Isn't that amazing? It goes on to say in verse 13, so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You're a God of seeing. For she said, have I not even here in the wilderness looked upon him who sees me and lived? Or have I here also seen the future purposes or designs of him who sees me? She recognized he's told me the future. He's, he's woven a beautiful future over my life. How amazing to have God do that. A slave woman carrying a son so unfavored. But this God has restored my future and spoken magnificent things over the life of myself and my son. Now, it was the angel of the Lord. It was God himself that met her in that wilderness. And what's interesting, the Cambridge Bible says there is a fascinating forecast of the coming Messiah. Breaking through the dimness with amazing consistency at intervals from Genesis to Malachi, Abraham, Moses, the slave girl Hagar, the impoverished farmer Gideon, even the humble parents of Samson had seen and talked with him centuries before the herald angels proclaimed his birth in Bethlehem. This is the nature of our God, breaking in, meeting with humble individuals in difficult places, even before he sent his son to win and to save all of mankind. Isn't our God a mighty God and a loving God that he would come? He will come. And this very nature continues today. It's the same God. He leans into our lives. He knows our name. He knows our story. He knows our cares. He knows our hopes. And he'll meet us by the well in the wilderness. He'll meet us in our situations to speak truth and to restore order because he is the God who sees. And I pray today, even in the situations in this room today, that you would speak truth and that you would restore order. I pray the promises would permeate in the hearts of the people today and their heart would gain courage today as you speak your truth and you restore your order, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' mighty name. You are good and you've got us covered. He is so good. You know, um, it has been a bit of a wilderness season for me. And I'm aware of his sovereign presence over it all. And that's precious for me. I love his sweet presence more than anything else. And I would never select to walk through the last nine months again. No, but we don't ask for hard times. But his sweet presence is like a healing balm that almost overshadows the reality of some difficulties. He is an amazing God. I just want to bring the picture up of... Um, some sunset clowns. It was April this year. We were on a family holiday. And um, if these clouds were stopping everyone in their tracks. Actually went out to get dinner, Hearts and I. And everybody literally was stopping in their tracks and looking up at the sky, just aghast at these incredible, like pink flamingo clouds. They're so striking. 
And for me, they're a picture of God's sovereignty that would literally stop men in their tracks, men and women who don't even know his name in their tracks. The heavens really do declare his glory. And for me, they're a picture that Nat, you know, you may feel overshadowed in your circumstances right now. Things may not look in your favor. Nevertheless, I'm sovereign above it all. And as the song sung today, the story isn't, if it isn't good, it's not finished yet. As our friends sung, if it isn't good, it's not finished yet. And for me, that's been the screensaver on my phone this year. A constant reminder, God is sovereign above our humanity. He's shining. He overshadows. He overshadows. He's so with us. Amen. He's so good. And one thing that's been a great strength for me in this season is the voice of Mordecai. And I would call Pastor Rhonda my Mordecai. (laughs) In this season, um, wise counsel, a rear guard. Um, You know, I'm quite an independent personality. And probably I ran the last 10 years in my own lane quite happily. La, 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 la. You know, one of those 10-year seasons. Amazing. So good. And then... um, change of season, (laughs) notable change of season, I needed the counsel of the wise. And I found it um, in friends like Pastor Rhonda. And I've actually found it coming from for me from the four corners of the earth. It's like um, emails from friends and scriptures just coming almost daily. God's provision has come to give me courage and strength and counsel. And I'm like, Lord, I cannot deny your provision for me. It is coming at me so steadily. It makes me laugh out loud sometimes. He is so present just as he was for Hagar to deliver the word of truth and restore order. And he'll do it through through the counsel of the wise. And so I want to talk a bit about Mordecai because we all need a Mordecai in our lives. And actually, this is why I love Connect Group because you'll find your Mordecai in Connect Group in a, um, a closer, cluster of friends where you can be more transparent you'll find the voice of wisdom comes through that friendship circle that support network so I encourage you to find your Mordecai you know when Esther she saw the father when she looked at Mordecai he had adopted her when her parents had um, passed away he'd taken her under his wing like Pastor Hartley says and it says of him in Esther 10 3 for Mordecai the Jew was next to King Asaras and great among the Jews and was a favorite with the multitude of his brethren for he sought the welfare of his people and he spoke peace to his whole race. I think he was a bit of a Pastor Mick. I think Pastor Mick moves amongst the people and you can just tell he's seeking the welfare of you. He's seeking my welfare. He's just, he's such a carrier of kindness and goodness. He loves Pastor Mick. Come on. He's one of the finest. You know, I don't know about you, but I like to be, I like the idea of being Esther, the leading lady, (laughs) the advocate, the mouthpiece. But, you know, just as important in this story was Mordecai, because he was um, the backbone of steel and the quiet resolve that she needed in order to lift up her voice. I actually don't believe she could have done it without him. All the way along, he was speaking truth and wisdom, speaking truth and wisdom, speaking truth and wisdom, and coaching and and enabling her to conquer a great feat which saved all her people from huge destruction. You know, as both literal and spiritual fathers, we're called to be Mordecai, the champion, the wise counsel of others. And you know, many times if, if you're sitting in Connect Group and you think, I don't have wisdom right now, I don't have an answer, it's really good to pause and just invite the Holy Spirit in. He is the great interpreter. He is the greater source of wisdom. And just say, I don't have an answer for you right now, but let's pray about that. 
And it's very powerful to just lift up our circumstances before a God who knows and sees all and allow him to speak. You know, we don't have to be all the answer. We are connected to the source of all answers. And so we can be a channel for his wisdom and insight. He's amazing. So good. And you just don't know how much someone might need that word of wisdom. You know, sometimes we're fumbling along, feeling quite undone on the inside, and then you just give that word of wisdom and kindness. You just pause a minute and see someone, and it's like the oxygen mask coming on the deep sea diver and allowing a great inhalation of air that may just carry them for the next six months. Sometimes we can be those living givers of life and breath just by pausing for a moment, you know, withdrawing from the temptation to get caught up in our own hustle. Sydney really has a spirit of hustle, doesn't it? You know, it's a busy city. But if we just slow down a minute, we may just be able to put that oxygen mask on someone who really needs it and they must just just draw a breath that gives them courage to get through the next season. Don't underestimate your gift of kindness. It's very powerful. God is good. You know, even in seasons of of unknowing, uh, uncertainty, you know, don't let cynicism or negativity camp in the hallways of your heart. You know, when, when life is difficult, it's like the, the door is open to your heart and there is a level of vulnerability. And some the, the best way to safeguard our heart is to let faith arise, to let praise arise in our heart rather than give permission for cynicism and negativity come in and camp in the hallways of our heart and occupy an area that they don't actually have permission for. We need to keep a sweet spirit, a pure heart so that we're liberated, so that we're traveling light through this life. So look heavenward and look earthward and be expected for God's faithfulness to be written all over the story of your life, just as it was for Hagar. He met with her and he wrote goodness and faithfulness over her life. He's such a good God. You know, when life throws a sharp left-hand turn, it directly reconnects us to the author of our life. If, if nothing else, it makes us go, oh my goodness, God, where are you right now? What are you doing right now? There, there is a great benefit in that. It, it's like everything else unnecessary falls to the side and we, we attach to him. We take a hold of him in those times. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You know, times of adjustment or difficulty, just have a way of sifting out unnecessary extras, props, relationships, habits, routines. And the beauty of that is that it enables us to live a freer, lighter, and more fruitful life. Like I believe God calls us to walk light through this life. That way we're more present, we're more available for the people that we love, for our families, and our soul knows rest when we're walking like that. You know, there are seasonal changes in life. And, uh, you know, like the, in autumn, the leaves fall from the tree. And I think sometimes when there's seasonal changes, um, we find it difficult and we want to run around and catch all the leaves as they fall <laughs> and try and pin them back up there and try and restore order according to our perspective. But who's to say that God is in the, in the midst of the seasonal change and, and, and He is sovereign over the falling of the leaves? And sometimes we need to let those leaves fall to the ground, not run around, try and pick them all up, gather them into ourselves, pin them back onto the tree. I mean, how ridiculous. <laughs> God is sovereign over the seasons. 
And, um, you know, I just want to read a little excerpt from um, a book that I read recently in it. And it says, Had I not lived the winter before, had I not witnessed the routine seasonal transformations, I'd have assumed those trees had no life left in them. Hagar could have assumed there was no life left for her, but all I could see was what was not there. But I knew the trees were not dead, they were merely dormant. In winter, what we can see with our eyes is not the whole story. Winter gives birth to spring, not just in the trees, but in us. And I believe the God of kindness, the God who sees, is going to bring a little bit of spring in this place today. A little restoration of hope, a little lifting of the chin, a little sharpening of the eyes, a little bit of clarity in this place.